You are Locked On Steelers, your daily Pittsburgh Steelers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. To the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, bringing you your daily dose of all things on the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's Thursday, March 4th, and today we're bringing it back. We're getting to you, the listeners, on a mailbag Thursday. I told y'all at the end of the Wednesday episode to tune in, get in on that Locked On Steelers Facebook group, and ask away on the post that I made. Lots of you did. We're going to get to all your questions right here on today's show. Don't forget, you can subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Radio.com, anywhere podcasts are hosted. Leave me a five-star review with a positive comment on top of that on Apple Podcasts to get your shout-out at the end of the show. Thanks so much for having done that. Let's get into it. All right, all right, all right. Let's get right into this mailbag. So like I said, I'll, we like to do this occasionally on the show. I didn't do it enough during the season. I'm sorry about that. So we're going to do this more during the off season to get more of your questions, to make sure you you all, the listeners, who, it's listen, I do this show for y'all. So I appreciate it when y'all give me questions and I get a chance to answer them. Um, so, okay. Like I said, you could again if you did if you missed out on this chance, that's why you should be in the Locked On Steelers Facebook group. There's over 1,200 Steelers fans in that group who listen to this show all the time and uh, comment. And you can talk with them. You can talk with me. You can talk with other guests on the show. Everyone there. So our first question for Mailbag Thursday this week comes from Justin DeJesus Cortez, and Justin asks, "Who was the hardest player for you to see leave as a cap casualty?" You know. That's a good question, because at first I read this and I'm thinking like maybe does he mean like this this like like this year? But no, he means all time. So I get you there, Justin. Good question. Good question. Who's the hardest player to to simulate? I I've seen so many have to go. I mean, if we're talking legit about you know players that left when they shouldn't have all time, it would be Rod Woodson. But I was a kid. I didn't. I can't. I didn't have any emotion over football outside of who won and lost the game when I was seven eight years old um in my time of like covering and being intense about football i i guess i go back and i look at um i look at like mike wallace was tough for me at the time because i was a i was a diehard fan in 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 law school and i thought that him and ab would have been and a superstar pair with how Mike Wallace stretched the field and AB could get separation. I thought they were, they could have been the future together for this team and they might've won a Super Bowl with the, both of them being there. But again, Mike had to go and get paid. That's how this game works is that when you, when you're good at drafting players, they go and get their money elsewhere. Even if they're, even if they weren't, they're not as good there as they are here. Um, that, that's how that works. Um, Chris Hope, was another one that Chris Hope for these old he was the he was Brian Clark before Ryan Clark because and it worked out bef- that they got Ryan Clark because I think Ryan Clark actually ended up being better but I really liked Chris Hope as a deep safety behind uh, Troy Polamalu he was with the Super Bowl forty team um, he hit really hard um, it, he he was the guy that kind of filled that role and when they got Ryan Clark they were like we're just gonna have you do the same thing but you're gonna be better at it and that's what Ryan Clark was for the Steelers um, so I think they'd be up there. Um, Keenan Lewis at the time was, but you know, he kind of showed with the saints, he wasn't worth the money that they paid them, paid him. So that, uh, that ended up working out for them. 
Um, yeah, so I guess, I guess Mike Wallace would be up there as far as my time watching. Um, th- th- that's the thing. The Steelers, they usually retain most of their guys, right? Um, you know, Javon Hargrave sucked, you know, last year because, you know, he I, I really liked talking to him. And he was a straight-up dude and uh, an HBCU player, so that's up there. But, yeah, off the top of my head, I'd say Mike Wallace just because I, I knew that Antonio Brown was going to be really special. I thought the two of them together – for like four or five more years with Ben Roethlisberger, and then when they had like Le'Veon Bell, like imagine, imagine if Mike Wallace, even if he wasn't 2010 Mike Wallace, if he was just, if he was just like still just the deep threat that they had, the stability of him, AB, and Bell, like people had a hard time covering Mike, people had a hard time covering Brown, people, people wouldn't have able to stop, like that would have been crazy. I mean, Mike Wallace would have been what Martavis Bryant was but just without missing random games all the time for marijuana. So that that's where I have that. Our next question comes from Will Wintrobel. Will asks, what Ed Rushers do you like in the draft that would be available in the fourth round? Now, Will, it's a very good question because that's around the range I would start looking at Ed Rushers. So you, sir, pay attention. You get the show. Um, but looking at edge Rushers, it's really tricky. It's really tricky for all the positions this year because – this is there's no there's no combine all there's going to be are pro days you know you're going you're it, there's no consensus that there normally is on what teams are looking at you know we're seeing who's visiting who and uh and, and keeping up with that my guess for fourth rounders um I brought up Dalen Hayes from Notre Dame because he could also play off ball linebacker um if he fell to the fourth round I think that would be a, a a great pick for the Steelers. I think he would really work out. Um, you know, I again, I've been looking at, uh, at at Rashad Weaver and Patrick Jones. I do think Patrick Jones will be a second or third round pick. Rashad Weaver should be a second or third round pick, but he only really played this year. Um, these are two guys that played for Pitt. I covered them all season. Um, they're both monsters on the edge. They were both all American dudes. Like every game, it was like, you knew these two dudes were the bad dudes. If Rashad Weaver's in the fourth round, they got to run to the podium and get this guy because he can line up a little bit inside. He can line up on the edge. He, he's a physical freak. He just, he, he beats you up at the line. He'd be an edge rusher. I'd, I'd be looking at, um, you know, I, I get, I get that. I get, I get that, that. That would be a good place to go there. Um, I like Teron Jackson out of Coastal Carolina, uh, and maybe him more in the fifth round. But a guy that you could put back there and say, "Hey, we're gonna we're expecting you to turn into somebody in like two years and someone that can fill in, uh, you know, here and there right now." But those would be my guys in the fourth round um, and later. So good question there, Will. Alan Yoder asks, "Should the Steelers look at drafting tight a uh, t- tight end Pat Fryermouth from Penn State, and would this be a good move if possible?" The only issue with this. Is that and good question, uh, Alan? They do need a tight end. The only issue with this is I see Pat Fryermouth going early in the second round, um, and when I mean early, I mean like top ten picks in the second round. So the only way this would work is if the Steelers traded back, if they traded their twenty fourth pick and they got you know a second round pick and a third round pick for it, um, or a late first and a second or something along those lines, and they had already used one of those picks to address running back or offensive tackle. And then they still had another pick that they could count on. That's when I'd feel the most confident about about getting one of those guys. But they just they got too many more important needs. And to me, tight end is a good position to have, but it's not a staple position of the offense. Unless you get a staple type of player like Travis Kelsey, and that's a different story. But they're fine there. 
Um, you know, they got Eric Ebron. He's a receiving threat. Um, he can help, and he can help with honestly losing Juju uh, because he's another receiving threat. But um, either of those guys, if they traded back and they got an extra pick in the second and third round, then I would get one of them. But I'm not. I'm not making it. I'm not going out of my way and skipping out on an offensive tackle or a running back in the first round just so I could get one of those guys. Um, but that's just me. All right. That's what we have right now for you. We'll be right back talking more from Mailback Thursday. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than charging prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. Best of all, Prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write LOCKED ON, that's L-O-C-K-E-D, LOCKED ON in their How Did You Hear About Us section so that they can know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com today. Back here on the Locked On Steelers podcast, I'm your host, Chris Carter, and it's Mailbag Thursday, which means we're taking your questions right here on the show. Um, we just talked about uh, Alan Yoder's question about tight ends with Pat Frymouth. Our next question is Elliot Wyant, who asks, who are your three most important and realistic people that we must re-sign this offseason? <laughs> Elliot put the key word in there, realistic. Um, because most important, you can either say, oh, yeah, just uh, Bud Dupree and uh, uh, Juju. That's right there. No, they're not realistic. And that's why he put that in there. So good job, Elliot. Um, but uh, the the three guys that I look at that are must-grabs, that are affordable, Zach Banner, who's basically all but said Tomlin told him he's coming back, Cameron Sutton, and I know, I'm a, again, I've said this a thousand times, I'm a huge Mike Hilton guy. I would love it if they could keep Mike Hilton, but I think they're only going to be able to afford one of these guys, and Mike Hilton can only play the slot and help against the run. Cam Sutton can do that and play outside cornerback and play deep zone. i got to go with a Cam Sutton. I think that he, he brings that versatility, and they need that depth there, but that's not to say uh, Mike Hilton isn't extremely valuable. My third guy who would reasonably fit into that, Tyson Alulu. I don't think Alulu is going to make a ton of money on the market, and I think he knows, hey, I work here. I can get, I you know, I fit into this team, and they like me. I think that he's going to want to stick around and, uh, you know, for maybe a cheap two-year contract, he gets to back up Hayward into it, occasionally be the nose tackle, and maybe, again, they draft a guy like Jalen Twyman in the middle rounds um, to, to work with him, and that would be ideal. So those would be my top three, uh, uh, Cameron Sutton, Zach Banner, and Tyson Lulu. So good question there, Elliot. Uh, Fernando Hidalgo asks, when and why did you become a Steelers fan? Uh, who is your who is your historic and active favorite player? Uh I grew up in Pittsburgh, so it's kind of bred into you. You know, I just, I never, you know, I, I never, I don't remember the day that I was. I just remember the day that I, I just remember like the first guy. The first guy that I recognized was Greg Lloyd. And it was because I could use him in Tecmo Super Bowl and get sacks. And, and uh, he was such a huge, big name in the NFL. And he was fun. He, he was, he was the big, he was the big dude that everyone was scared of. So, um, a uh, funny story. Funny story. Okay, we'll do a funny story time in the, in the mailbag Thursday. My dad tells me a story. I don't remember this, but if you if you've ever been to Highland Park in um in in Pittsburgh, Highland Park and like the playground area by the West Reservoir, uh, there's 
there there was the there were these swing sets where there was like one giant red swing where it was like it was like a big seat so it was it was perfect for little kids to sit in while their parents pushed them um and so I, my dad said i was like three years old and he used to he said you used to push me and think that you were spider and i would think that you're spider-man because you would kick me because uh, he pushed me from the front instead of the back so i would kick him in the stomach well he said that greg lloyd one time walked through the park and was hanging out with his kids and saw my dad kid being kicked by me in the stomach and looked at us like we were crazy and he said man if we could get greg lloyd to think that we're crazy he'll never mess with us because everyone don't no one mess with him so <laughs> there you go there's there's greg lloyd um uh, but but who's my fate my, my historic and active favorite player uh i mean it's you know favorites tough because i cover them I, I think the most interesting players right now are tj watt and make fitzpatrick i think they're the staples of this team moving forward maybe devin bush will be very soon um, but those would be the two guys that I look at. All-time Heinz Ward and Troy Polamalu, those were just the guys that I thought they defined what it meant to be a Steeler um, at all times. So good question there. But again, yeah, I don't remember when I was. I just I just remember I remember watching Super Bowl 30. I, I, that's like the first thing I remember football-wise. I don't remember any other game except football, Super Bowl 30. And then after that, I think the first game that I remember like being distraught over was the 1996 AFC divisional round when they lost to the Patriots and they got smoked by the Patriots and this was Drew Bledsoe Patriots not Tom Brady Patriots and then and then the next year they beat the Patriots and I remember being so happy as a kid so there you go that, that's that question thank you Fernando anyways next person Gary Houston which Steelers defender from either the 70s or the 80s assuming they were in their physical prime would you uh, do you think could step in today and compete successfully so I guess you're saying uh you know uh, guys who could transfer over to this i think they actually had a few back then i think mel blunt from everything i've heard tony dunsey said that mel blunt would, would run a 4-4 easy and he had the size to beat you up and make plays and he was a ball hawk um and he was tough as nails he could run with anybody um so mel blunt would be an easy one i think joe green's another guy i think he's like aaron donald like you just put him on the line he's gonna beat you up uh in his prime so those would be the two easy ones um I think it's tougher for receivers and running backs because they're so much quicker and faster today. I think Terry Bradshaw would actually be, be really good in today's game because of, of the his cannon arm and how much they protect quarterbacks. I, I, I mean, actually, I think a lot of the Steelers from the 70s would translate over. I think Donnie Schell, with the way that he played um, one high safety would really well, he could fit in. Um, excuse me. Um, I, I'd wonder how Jack Lambert and Jack Ham would fit into today's game because... I, I don't think either of them were exceptionally fast. I think that they just played well and fit into a scheme very well. Um, and, they, and they had their exceptional abilities, of course. I'm not saying they were just that. But, you know, I, I think, I don't know, I take that back. Because there's some linebackers who are very good, but they're not, like, supreme athletes. They're just, like, you know, Bobby Wagner. He could do a lot, but, like, he's not, he doesn't run a 4-3. You know what I mean? He's not Ryan Shazier. He's very good at everything, but um, but he doesn't have it. So, I mean, I think most of those guys, really, the, the Hall of Famers from that era, could play uh in, in today's nfl so good question there gary if i had to pick one it's mel blunt just having that kind of corner outside i, mean, I also picked joe green that's tough man uh, gary don't ask such hard questions jeez jeez all right all right all right i'm back clint fritz oh god my man clint always on give me some good questions here he says hey chris do any of our current starters really remind you of any past steelers players and if so who and in what ways uh good question clint i i, I said uh you know with dean and uh Josh yesterday that uh, I thought Heinz, Heinz Ward and Juju was a direct correlation. I think that the way that they play, um, they it kind of reminds me of them. Um, 
I think Joe Hayden is a different kind of cover corner. So actually, I, I, don't, I shouldn't even say Joe Hayden because I actually don't think he compares to too many. I think because, you know, Rod Woodson was a pure athletic defensive back that played cornerback. Joe Hayden is a technically sound super cornerback that fits perfectly into that role. <sighs> Man, if I had to pick another guy, I mean, I think David DeCastro and Alan Fanica bear a lot of similarities in how they bully people at the line. Um, and more than beyond the both that they they both wear sixty six, but I think that they compare they they uh, they share comparisons that way. Um, uh, you know it's funny. I, Deontay Johnson athletically reminds me of Santonio Holmes, but he doesn't. He hasn't made the big plays yet. Now Antonio Holmes did have his drops. I mean the the pass before his Super Bowl. Uh, big Super Bowl c- touchdown to win Super Bowl forty three. He dropped one on the other corner of the end zone. Uh, so, I mean, I guess Deontay Johnson somewhat with the skill set of Santonio Holmes, but if I had to pick one, it would be Juju to Heinz Ward, just, you know, the, the way they hit and how they're not like superstar wide receivers, but they're star wide receivers who can be the enforcer for you on offense. Um, but I mean, I think a lot of the problem is, is today's game has changed so much that, you know, like, like, for example, I talked about Ryan Clark in the last segment. And, you know, where he fit for the Steelers, they can't have a beat-em-up free safety anymore. It's just, it's, that role is being pushed out of the NFL because of the rules. You know, because Ryan Clark, when he hit somebody, he would he would get a penalty. And uh, that, that started to happen towards the end of his career. And now you need your free safety to be the Minka type, the, the free-ranging guy in the back end that makes a lot of plays. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so that's where that's where I would say, Clint's a good question there. Our last question of this segment, before we go to the fun- last segment and answer the, all the rest of the questions, comes from Diego Fernandez. Diego asks, uh, which free agent on our of our team do you think will most likely remain with us next season? And based on that, what uh, what do you think will be addressed for sure in the draft? So Diego, uh, I've already said Zach Banner is. I think he's it's already he's basically been told he's coming back. Um, so I, I think Zach Banner is the easiest one. I think the best thing they could do in the free in free agency is get a veteran center. If they get a veteran center. I think that that gives them flexibility to not have to draft a high a center in the first three rounds. If they want to, they can. Um, but then they could take a swipe at a center in the fourth and fifth rounds and say, hey, you, if you develop into a starter, great. If you don't, we go back and we get this right in two, three years. Um, but uh, but getting a center would would have, would have helped with that. But Zach Banner could give them the flexibility to say, hey, you don't have to go offensive tackle in, in round one. You could and you should if, there's, if the top five or six guys are there. But... When we, you know, you know, I, I think again, flexibility and dra- being able to draft the best player available—that's what you want there. So, all that being said, we're gonna throw it to one more quick break. When we come back, we're finishing up your mailbag questions right here on Locked On Steelers. BetOnline.ag. The only place that we trust here in the Lockdown Podcast Network to place bets on. Even though football season's over, there's a ton of different ways to make money by gambling on sports right now. If you go to betonline.ag today and sign up for your free account, you'll get a 50% bonus to your first deposit simply by entering the promo code LOCKEDON. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, LOCKEDON, all capital letters and all one word, and that will get you your 50% bonus on your first deposit. 
Right now, sure, the NFL is done, but you can put money down on where certain free agents might be going in the NFL. You can also bet on college basketball, the NBA, and the NHL. All different ways to get off the sidelines and get in on the action. BetOnline.ag. Remember, use that promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, LOCKEDON, all capital letters, all one words, to get a 50% bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Here on the Locked On Steelers podcast, I'm your host, Chris Carter, bringing you your daily dose here. We're continuing our Mailbag Thursday. We got your questions on the Locked On Steelers Facebook group. I'm going to finish all of them right here in this segment. So let's keep going here. Got a question from Dan Tucci. Dan asks, do you have any opinions on what the Steelers should do at tight end in Canada's offense? Thanks, Chris. I'm impressed with the amount of content you pump out weekly. Locked On Steelers, Locked On NFL, and all the DK pods and pieces. Thank you, Dan. I hope that somebody appreciates it because it's a lot of work. Uh, For those who don't know, I'm the Friday host on Locked On NFL um, with your boy Q, the host of the Locked On Raiders podcast. So we talk all NFL on that. So if you ever want to hear my opinions on other NFL teams and what's going on league-wide, go there for that. And uh, for DK stuff, of course, you know, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm, the, I'm a pit beat writer for DK Pittsburgh Sports. I also write about the Steelers. And we have our own DK Sports Radio Network where I do Steelers talk, draft talk, and pit talk, and then occasionally, like, you know, debate talk if we're, if we're going in there. So, um uh, so there, there I have it with, with that. So thanks, Dan, for shouting those out. I appreciate you for doing that. Uh, but to answer your question, I don't think Matt Canada is going to try and do anything crazy special with tight end right away. He has Eric Ebron, who is a specific type of receiving threat. You know, Matt Canada in college used tight ends and fullbacks in very creative ways because he had the kind of flexibility that you do in college to do those type of things. That's not always available in the NFL. If they get a guy like a Trey McKitty, you know, a, a younger you know, a guy, a rookie who comes into this class, if they can draft a guy and say, "Hey, you're you're gonna fit this role," that that'd be different, and they could work that. But for right now, I think that that Matt Canada will try to maximize the talents of Eric Ebron, and then whoever they they draft this year at the tight end position, because I do think they will draft one um, if they don't sign one in free agency, and they will, and he will kind of try to get that that guy ready for in the future, what he wants the tight end position to be. But I don't think it's going to be anything super unique just yet. Um, if they get a unique guy, like if they get a guy who can block really well and is good with the ball in his hands, then we'll start to see the creativity be worked into this offense. And you'll see him come off the line, maybe line up in the backfield and give you different looks. Uh, but it, it would take some work to get there. I mean, who knows, though? Jonu Smith is, is, a, is a free agent. Uh, I believe Delaney Walker is coming back this year. So, like, there's a few guys that you could look at and say, you know, hey, maybe there's something that can happen there. But uh, but right now, I think it's just going to be they're going to maximize Eric Ebron's talent, line him up as a receiving threat, and work this, get work that best with the offense. So, thanks, Dan, for your question. Ryan Wild asks, uh, if one of the two, t- the top two offensive tackle, linebacker, or cornerback, uh, Sewell, Slater, Parsons, Owusu-Koromoto, Sertan II, or Farley, are available at 15, do you think the Steelers would should try to trade up to get one of them? Bill Belichick has been known to trade back for more picks. If the price is right, if we're talking about, because here's the thing, 24 to 15 is a jump. That's nine picks. So I would estimate the Patriots would want a second-round pick, and maybe a third-round pick. And the Steelers don't have that kind of luxury right now. The Steelers are in a position where they need to address multiple positions for depth concerns. So I, I don't think they would, um, un- unless you could get it for like a third and a fourth. 
or a third and a fourth and a fifth. That's a different. That's a different story. But I'm not. I wouldn't give up a uh, if if any part of that involves you know swapping the first round picks and giving up a second round pick. Um, no, can't do it. Sorry. Nope. 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 Not doing it at all. Um, so, uh, but, uh, but I mean, certainly, I mean, one, I'll say this, Sewell, Sewell isn't falling. Panay Sewell, he's going top five. He's not making it to the top 15. The guys who most likely would make it to the top 15, uh, I don't think Slater will. I think he'll get picked early. Michael Parsons could because he opted out of this season and some teams could, could look at that negatively. Owusu Koromoa could because, you know, I think that he's, you know, he's seen as the, you know, you know, the, the the second off-ball linebacker in this class. I don't think Farley does. I think he's gone in the top 10. I don't think Sertan does. I think he's gone in the top 12. Um, but if one of them did, I wouldn't be mad at them if they tried because any one of those guys would be great for what this team needs right now. I just, I don't think the Steelers want to give up the bulk of picks that they have this year. I think next year might be that move because next year, again, if they lose Juju and Bud Dupree, that might be two third-round comp picks coming their way next year. So... Then they'll have ammunition to start trading up because they'll that means they'll probably have like what three third round picks, um, and who knows maybe the Steelers end up trading back and get some extra picks then, but we'll see. Um, good question, Ryan. Next question comes from Robert Poirier. Um, uh, Robert says, "What are some of the biggest changes do you think we can expect to see with Matt Canada running the offense now? I think you're going to see a stronger focus on the run game. I think you're going to see more." pre-snap motion and things that help identify things for Ben Roethlisberger and also put defenses into guessing games. Um, but I think that running game, they're going to Ben Ben's had his, 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 his fingerprints on this offense with Randy Feekner for far too long. They're going to take come back out of that. They're going to say, Hey, let's get, let's get this offense back to being a balanced unit that attacks in ways that make it harder, harder, makes it harder to predict. So that, that's the biggest thing I see changing. Um, but ultimately, Matt Canada, if he stays on past Roethlisberger's tenure, um, I think his biggest thing is going to be, you know, whoever the next quarterback is, what's his fingerprints on that guy? Um, and then if it's a mobile quarterback, what kind of creativity does he come up with there? Because he, he made Pitt a, a a crazy style of offense that ran off of jet sweeps and made you think about every position that they would be in. And he had Nathan Peterman, and Nathan Peterman's no, no athlete at quarterback. If he got a guy that could scramble and throw – like a lot of these guys are coming into the NFL nowadays, uh, we might be seeing some different stuff there that runs out of more of the pistol and more out of uh, you know giving those kind of option plays that that's, that force defenses to think. I think that he will love playing with defenses that way. Adam Klingman asks, who is your favorite athlete of all time who never played for your favorite team? So, I mean, favorite athlete of all time, period, is Muhammad Ali. And I guess that's cheating because he didn't, he, he, no boxer plays for any team. Um... Michael Jordan, just because he was a bad man. I, I, Dwayne Wade was a big one for me. And Dwayne Wade's different because Dwayne Wade broke my heart when I was like in eighth grade because uh, I was a big Pitt fan. And Pitt, it was, it was the, Pitt had, be, had made its first resurgence into the Big East in my time watching. And it was my favorite. I loved Brandon Knight. He was the point guard. He was like the new guy that said, hey, Pitt's, Pitt's you know, finally here and they're going to make it big. And it was his senior year and they had Donis Savakis, this this white dude who could shoot three-pointers and rebound really well. Ontario Lett was this big brawly dude in the middle. Uh, they had Julius Page, who was this, this really good two-guard who could shoot and dunk and do all these other things. Um... You know, they had a great lineup. Siobhan Troutman, Carl Krauser coming off the bench, Jerron Brown. I just, I loved that team. 
and in the Sweet 16, they're playing Marquette, and I'm like, yeah, okay, Marquette, they're not Duke, they're not Michigan State, we're fine, and there's this one dude just destroying Pitt left and right, and I'm like, who is this guy? Who is this one man that Pitt can't stop? Oh, it's driving me nuts, and, and after the game, I'm like, man, if this guy, Dwayne Wade, whoever he is, if he's not like one of the greatest shooting guards ever, I will hate Pitt for the rest of my life for letting him beat them, and then I was like, oh, that's who Dwayne Wade is. Again, I was in the eighth grade. I didn't really know that much about college basketball. So then I was like, oh, he's like really good. Okay, cool. Um, I'm going to root for you wherever you go. And then he got drafted by the Heat. I became a Heat fan because of that. They beat the Pistons. I didn't like Chauncey Billup and those Pistons. Um, so I was really happy for it when he did that. And then when LeBron came, I was like, let's go Heat. I'm still am. Let's go Heat a little bit because um, I, I like Jimmy Butler and the way that he fights. So um, Dwayne Wade's up there. You know, Serena Williams is up there. If you want to know an NFL player, my favorite, my favorite NFL player that's not a Steeler ever was is Larry Fitzgerald, and it would have been Chris Carter. Um, but Larry Fitzgerald, being a pit dude, going to Arizona, just you love everything about him. I mean, if you love football, you love Larry Fitzgerald. He's just everything that you want in a football player. He goes up and gets the ball. He fights. He, I mean, he's just he, he's everything you ever want. If I'm ever forming an all-time team, he has to be on it. That's how good Larry Fitzgerald is. Um, and I guess he doesn't count because he's technically he went, he went to Pitts. So that's still a team that I've rooted for, or followed, or covered, or whatever. Um, I guess Chris Carter. My my my, my name. My, it's not my. He has my name. He's not my namesake. But Chris Carter. You know, I always loved watching him. I still have his jersey somewhere. Uh, but the number 80, you know, Hall of Fame wide receiver for the Minnesota Vikings and Philadelphia Eagles, loved watching him growing up. It's just uh, all he does is catch touchdowns. So I, I got a few. I got a few. I gave, a, gave you a lot of answers there, Adam. So I hope you're happy with that. Dan Hedrick asks, uh, why do Steelers fans always panic? They they know uh, they know we always come out okay in the end. Uh, it's 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 the whole point. When you said fan, fan is short for fanatic. Fanatics panic. It's what they do. And here's the thing, Steelers fans ain't alone. Even Patriots fans. If you could go go on a Patriots fans like blog or whatever or comment room or, or chat room comment room. Jeez, I sound like I'm 70. Um, but go go to a Patriots uh, you know, chat room and, and go and go read in some you'll eventually find some comments where people are like, Man, this sticks, Belichick doesn't have it anymore. They gotta move on, they gotta do this, they gotta do that. And it's like, gosh, you guys just won six Super Bowls in twenty years, you're crying. And like what what are you doing? But it it's because it's not it's not just Boston fans, it's not just Pittsburgh fans, it's fans, period. It's the American fan. It's what we've become. It, you know, we when something isn't going the way we think it is, if they're not winning in the moment, we're panicking, we're 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 throwing a lot of hoopla in the air, we're scared that something bad's going to happen um, as soon as you know before it even does. So it's it's not the good question, Dan, but I don't think that's something that is unique to Steelers fans. Everybody does that, and I used to think that I used to think that I used to think that was unique to Steelers fans. That's all I knew. But when I moved to Cheney, um, you know, from for undergrad, and I was out in Eagles territory, I mean, they did it ten times worse. Giants fans do it, did it. Cowboys fans did it. You know, Patriots fans are doing it. It's just part of being a fan, especially in today's sports. But good question there. I think it's always important to tap into that um, that part of the the overall insight of the country. Artie Hamblin asks. I got tickets to the Hall of Fame game against the Cowboys this year. Have they announced when the induction ceremony of the 2020 class will be? Can't find the info anywhere. That's because they haven't announced it yet, Artie. They will at some point. I think they're just trying to see how the rest of this 
spring well it's holidays we're not in spring yet but you know how how spring goes and then they'll start booking things but i haven't seen anything either yet already to my to my to my knowledge they will they will get that info out as soon as they they want they can because they want to start setting things up and get that going and i do believe that means the steelers will be playing the cowboys still in the hall of fame game um so that'll be interesting because they'll probably have uh you know five preseason games if they do that this year it's gonna be interesting they might do two because they might do two which makes they'll do three this year because of um you know them getting 17 games all right calvin dixon asks drop a take on this team that no one expects to happen not tony tinfoil hat crazy but something from uh left field for us to argue over example tom brady signs with the steelers and brings ab with him <laughs> now you said nothing crazy to tinfoil hat tony and then you drop a tom brady and ab coming to the steelers what am i supposed to do with that calvin what am i supposed to do with that um hmm a crazy take that or you know a, a left field take that steelers fans could argue with and I this isn't I guess this isn't too much I think and I, you've heard this before that's why I'm not gonna say this isn't too much I think the Steelers would be a would be much better off if they had just drafted Lamar Jackson in 2018 not to even use him because I know a lot of Steelers fans are out there saying oh he's a running back I disagree with those people I think a guy any guy that throws 36 touchdowns and six interceptions in a season that's not a running back that's a quarterback he can run he's a dangerous man with his with his legs and that might be the best part of his game, but he also throws the ball well. Um, but if they had drafted Lamar Jackson, A, Joe Flacco stays with them in 2018. That means that they don't make a late-season surge. That means John Harbaugh gets fired because it was it was well-known he was on his way out the door. That means B, uh, the Steelers, they make the playoffs that year. That was the year A.B. imploded. Maybe A.B. doesn't implode because they know that they were making the playoffs that year. And maybe that leads to them not feeling the kind of pressure that they did and maybe getting a shot in the playoffs. And again, that was a team that was taking the Saints down to the wire in their own house at the end of the season. And that was a team that beat the Patriots. I mean, if they make the playoffs, maybe they would have had a shot in 2018. Maybe not, but again, you don't, you don't know. Um, I think with with Lamar Jackson not on the Ravens, that just puts the Steelers in. And then in 2019, or uh, uh, in, 20, in 2019, uh, when when Ben's arm goes, you get you get Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson's worth at least two or three more wins more than Mason Rudolph and, and, and Devin Hodges. They get into the playoffs in 2019 as well. And then 2020 rolls around. Maybe they don't have to pay Ben Roethlisberger. And maybe they do, maybe they don't. Or maybe you say, hey, Lamar Jackson, actually line up in the backfield with Ben. You're a dual threat situation. Run the ball, or maybe he'll throw the ball. We don't know. Maybe there's some creativity there that gets to happen. Lots of things. There's your hype. There, there, there's your crazy take there, Calvin. The Steelers should have drafted Lamar Jackson just so that the Ravens couldn't have him. That's my hot take. Um, Quentin Mink asks, who do you think will rise to be the number one receiver Claypool or Deontay, I think it's going to be Claypool. I think the way that he he gets off the ball really well, he fights off the press. He's I see him taking challenges a little bit better than Deontay Johnson. I think that's going to stick with the Steelers. They're going to like that about him. And he's got the pure speed, and he can go up and get the ball. I I just I think that he he's got the make to be the number one. I think I think that Deontay could be a number one. 
But right now, I, I got to go with Chase Claypool. John Risks, John, John Risk, John Rich. There we go, Chris. Pronounce people's names. Um, says, why doesn't James Washington play more and when he's the most consistent catcher and blocker? Because he's not the best at getting open. Uh, I think that's the best answer. Uh, Juju is a better at getting separation. Deontay's much better at getting separation. And Chase Claypool's just a burner. I, I think James Washington's a combat catcher. But I, I think James Washington's also the flexibility that says, hey, we don't need to sign Juju right now. I think he'll get more time this year. But James Washington is definitely not. When people say, like, when Dean, you heard Dean and Josh arguing on Wednesday's show about, is Juju a number one wide receiver? We know James Washington's not a number one receiver. I think he could be a good number two. Um, but... A, uh, but you just you look at his playmaking ability. It's not the same as the guys who can just get out, uh, you know, on their horses and, and outrun an entire defense. Um, but he is a tough guy. He's a tough guy. I've won on my team, and I think that he he's actually putting himself in a great position to re-sign with the team for not an expensive contract, but a guy that they say, hey, that's a level-headed veteran that we want to keep in our locker room for years to come. Let's let's re-sign James Washington. So I think that that's where he's going to get his thing. But the, the the reason that the other three guys were getting more love than him was uh, um, Chase Claypool, Burner's size, playmaking ability, Deontay Johnson, insane separation, and Juju, uh, just, a, just a better version of James Washington right now. Brian Boxler asks, do the Steelers give Omar Khan a big raise after he navigates the Steelers through the, this cap hell he has to deal with this year? If it wasn't for him, I don't know how the Steelers are a contender year after year. Uh, Brian, I got to say, I don't think the Steelers are in cap hell. I think that they've always been where they expected to be. It's like, hey, all right, we just got to we've gotta do some extensions, do some restructures, bing, bang, boom, we're here. You know, cap hell would be where the Eagles are where they're letting go player after player after player after player. Cap hell would be the Saints are where they're like, dang it, we might have to let go like an Alvin Kamara or, you know, major players that need to be hold on. The Steelers aren't letting go of key pillar players. You know, if they had to let go of TJ Watt, that's cap hell. They let go of Minka Fitzpatrick, that's cap hell. Um, I don't think they're in that situation. Uh, the, you know, Juju Bud, absolutely. But the thing is, is that they've planned around being able to back those guys up. That's not cap hell. Capel is when you have absolutely no way to, to make things happen. Uh, and part of this, I think, is Omar Khan to keep them out of real Capel. Uh, we just think Capel. I've said Capel way too many times. But, you know what I mean. We think that's the case because we all look at the Steelers much closer. Every franchise, when the, if they have a year where they've got a lot of players that they like, they've got they've had much worse situations than the Steelers especially ones that rely on free agency to make their money or to make make their big plays. So um so there's that. So I mean Omar Khan, I think he's going to get I mean he he's going to be either with the Steelers for as long as he wants to be or he's going to get a job somewhere else. I I the rumors are that he is not the heir apparent to to Kevin Colbert. I believe his name's Brandon Hunt. Um who is and he's kind of like the guy that's been running the the scouting department for a while. So um but Omar Khan, numbers guy, absolutely great at his job. Robert Russell asks, uh, I know that there really isn't a first-round center this year, but my question is, is there a big drop-off between centers taken in the second and third rounds this year? Not a huge drop-off, but you need to get your guy while you're there. Again, my centers this year, um, Creed Humphreys right at the top. That's the guy I'm looking at for sure. Um, then I'm looking at, uh, I, I really like, uh, I really like Quinn Myers. Landon Dickerson is injury prone, which has been a problem. He would be he, Landon Dickerson would be my number one if if I if I if I could if he, if he could get, if he could stay healthy. Uh, but those injury things, those injury situations, 
I mean, you go look at like how many times he got injured in almost every year that he played. Uh, that would cause me some serious concern about his future in the NFL. Um, so I guess if I had to rank him, I'd say Creed Humphrey, Creed Humphrey, Josh Myers, Quinn Miners, Landon Dickerson, and I think that you could get my Josh Myers, Quinn Miners, and Landon Dickerson all in the third round unless someone reaches for one of them. Um, Creed Humphrey's going in the second, though. I'm very confident about that. Um, but if you get one of those guys, drop off doesn't matter. But once you start getting lower and lower, that's after the after Quinn Miners, that's when you're starting to get into reach range for uh, for the center position. So good question there, though. I understand you know wanting to get that out of the way. Uh, Sean Lavalley, uh, Lavalley. I'm sorry if I missed your, mispronounced your name, Sean. I ask, can Michael Carter be an every down back in the NFL? In the right system, yes. Uh, for those who don't know, Michael Carter, undersized running back uh, for North Carolina. Uh, you know, Javante Williams is the running back we're all talking about from North Carolina because he's a big dude who fits the Steelers' mold. But Michael Carter's a smaller, faster, sleeker, quicker, make you miss in space type of guy. You know, a little more Alvin Alvin Kamara than Le'Veon Bell or or Derrick Henry. So uh, there's systems that could work for him, where he could where he could be an every down NFL back. But it's not a system the Steelers have in place right now. So no, in the Steelers' way of playing football, he would not be an every-down NFL back. If you designed a system that used him to motion all over the place and confuse people, absolutely, I think you could you can get him in you could get him to be that. But I don't think that the Steelers are going to overhaul their offense that badly. Thomas David asks, if you were Kevin Colbert, which quarterbacks um, would have would, would have to drop for the Steelers to pick? Uh, to make you considering drafting them in the first instead of one of our other bigger needs, um, there are there are four quarterbacks I put in that in that conversation: Trevor Lawrence, who's going first overall, uh, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, and Trey Lance. If Trey Lance falls to you, that's a serious question. He opted he didn't get to play this year, so we don't we haven't seen him for a while. Um, but if he falls this year, that, that would be. That would be very interesting. Zach Wilson may go. May, Zach Wilson may be the second quarterback off the board. Maybe even you know you know maybe you're looking at, looking at this and you're saying some people saying I saw John Ledyard, our a former host of the Locked On Steelers podcast and a guy that writes for uh, uh, the Pewter Report who covers the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's looking at Zach Wilson as maybe even better than Trevor Lawrence, which is we might bring on John to talk about that very soon. Um, but but Trey Lance, I'd consider Trey Lance. But Mac Jones, Kyle Trask, no, get the heck out of here. No, neither of you guys are first round. I'm not drafting them in the second round even. Um, but in Justin Fields, I would consider if he fell to 24. I don't think he will. I think all these guys are off the board before the Steelers pick. So that's that's my reasoning there. That's where I would go with that, Thomas David. Good question, though. Our final question comes from Scott Pavel. Um, Scott, my buddy, uh, he, uh, he won mock draft uh, Monday. So uh, congratulations on that. So you get to close us out here with your question. Um, Scott asks, uh, if the Steelers want to reinforce inside linebacker and make it a super strength, can they use any exceptional talent to pair um, with Devin Bush? Or do they need to focus on a bigger guy who can be more of a classic buck inside linebacker with extra mobility? Actually, Scott, I'm starting to think the days of the buck linebacker are numbered. Now, for those who don't know, there are, in the 3-4 style of defense, there are two names for inside linebackers there's a buck inside linebacker and a mac the mac is think ryan chazier lawrence timmons uh devin bush mobile guys who can go sideline to sideline hit and run play hard you know do the do the dirty work 
that's where I would go with um uh you know with a with a Mac linebacker. A buck style linebacker is the bigger, slower guy who goes in and hits the fullback who's coming to hit you first, um, fills the run, is closer to the line of scrimmage, and doesn't cover as well against the pass. That's a buck linebacker. And and uh the Steelers kind of had too many buck linebackers on this team. Vince Williams is a buck linebacker. Avery Williamson was a buck linebacker. Um you know, I, I think Robert Splain is kind of a small buck linebacker because he doesn't have the same mobility but, uh, as Devin Bush. But to answer your question, Scott, I think the the role might be going with two max now. There aren't teams using the fullback all the, all the time anymore. Get two dudes who can play the run and cover the pass who are athletic, which is why I really think the Steelers should be paying attention to that linebacker position and who falls to them in, in the first round. And if not there, then second and third rounds keep that option open. They could use another guy who can run and hit and play inside linebacker and line up next to Devin Bush. I think that's the future. I mean, you look at what the Buccaneers were able to do with Avante David and Devin White in the Super Bowl. To me, there there's answers there to a lot of problems that NFL teams are presenting with more athletic running backs, more athletic tight ends, and being able to help over the middle of the field and stop quarterbacks from just automatically taking over different spots. So Scott, very good question to close out here with, uh, close out here with, um, really appreciate everyone who got, who made it to the, to the locked on Steelers mailbag Thursday. Again, if you didn't get your question in, remember, you can always go to the locked on Steelers, Facebook group, ask me something, but this is mailbag are when we get a chance to get on the show and talk and, and answer your questions directly so that you can, you know, hear it on the show, you know, get to listen to while you go into work and all, all that great stuff there. Uh, so thanks again for listening to the Locked On Steelers podcast. Again, we're on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Radio.com, anywhere podcasts are hosted. If you want to really help us out, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts with a positive comment. When you do that, you get a shout-out on the end of the show. One thing I want to clarify, I still haven't always, already, you know, figured out how to do that for people in different countries. So if you're, you're coming from a different country, I might miss your five-star review, but I'm working on trying to make that a consistent part of the show. But thanks to all those who have done the five-star review doing that really helps us out and gets us up there in the world of sports podcast. That's all for today's Mailbag Thursday. Tune back in tomorrow. We got Jenna Harner coming back, all as always, for our Friday episode. Who knows? Maybe some Steelers news is broke. If not, we got some fun things to talk about. 